With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. If you've listened to this show before, you know that my goal is to bring you interviews with really cool entrepreneurs who are doing things. I make the joke all the time that the show is not called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Might Do or Want to Do. It's actually called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I try to bring in people from small businesses, large businesses, maybe some solopreneurs, maybe some people who are just entrepreneurial inside their job, but who have a huge dose of that entrepreneurial spirit. And today is going to be no different because when I talked to our guest today, she started listing all the things that she's involved with, and yet... You know, she can't be that old. She's doing so much at such a young age. It's really, really fascinating how she's been able to do this. So I know for a fact she is going to be full of some really good advice. So today I have with us Sonia Kilji. And she actually has, like I said, several businesses. She has some franchise businesses. She has businesses in the uh, preschool and urgent care world. She actually, though, got really passionate about online and actually has done several businesses in the online world, including having uh, a social media agency where she helps people with their presence and building their social media uh, communications. And so she's really perfect for the people who listen to this show because we all know that you have to take a big jump into that online world. So, Sonia, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for our conversation. I told you already I'm super excited to meet you, but also to jump in and see where this conversation takes us. Well, Sonia, you have done so many different things. If, if I was to meet you in an airport, how would you tell me what you do? Who, who is Sonia Kilji and, and, and what do you do? So I I usually base off that question of what I do with who I'm meeting, right? Because not everyone needs to know everything. I may meet a small business owner and say, hey, I own a couple of small businesses. I may meet an entrepreneur and say, hey, listen, I help entrepreneurs with their social media presence. I really mirror the person that I'm talking to often. And then as we get deeper and deeper, I start to reveal, well, I've also done urgent care. I've also done, done the preschool franchise. I've also had my own agency. I've also had my own subscription box. Things start to come out with the conversation but my welcome to the cool things entrepreneurs do podcast with your host tom singer in each episode we explore the interesting lives of business leaders entrepreneurs solopreneurs and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit it is time to explore something cool now here is your host tom singer hey hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of cool things entrepreneurs do Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. 
If you've listened to this show before, you know that my goal is to bring you interviews with really cool entrepreneurs who are doing things. I make the joke all the time that the show is not called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Might Do or Want to Do. It's actually called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I try to bring in people from small businesses, large businesses, maybe some solopreneurs, maybe some people who are just entrepreneurial inside their job, but who have a huge dose of that entrepreneurial spirit. And today is going to be no different because when I talked to our guest today, she started listing all the things that she's involved with, and yet... You know, she can't be that old. She's doing so much at such a young age. It's really, really fascinating how she's been able to do this. So I know for a fact she is going to be full of some really good advice. So today I have with us Sonia Kilji. And she actually has, like I said, several businesses. She has some franchise businesses. She has businesses in the uh, preschool and urgent care world. She actually, though, got really passionate about online and actually has done several businesses in the online world, including having uh, a social media agency where she helps people with their presence and building their social media uh, communications. And so she's really perfect for the people who listen to this show because we all know that you have to take a big jump into that online world. So, Sonia, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for our conversation. I told you already I'm super excited to meet you, but also to jump in and see where this conversation takes us. Well, Sonia, you have done so many different things. If, if I was to meet you in an airport, how would you tell me what you do? Who, who is Sonia Kilji and, and, and what do you do? So I I usually base off that question of what I do with who I'm meeting, right? Because not everyone needs to know everything. I may meet a small business owner and say, hey, I own a couple of small businesses. I may meet an entrepreneur and say, hey, listen, I help entrepreneurs with their social media presence. I really mirror the person that I'm talking to often. And then as we get deeper and deeper, I start to reveal, well, I've also done urgent care. I've also done, done the preschool franchise. I've also had my own agency. I've also had my own subscription box. Things start to come out with the conversation, but my first statement, my 30-second pitch is generally mirroring the person that I'm talking to. So how did you get into the world of entrepreneurship? Did you did you ever have like a regular job? Did you work for a bank or an accounting firm, or were you always the person who was entrepreneurial? So I was born and raised in a very entrepreneurial family. When you have a father who teaches you, like every night he would stand at the kitchen counter. So I was in business school during college and I stayed um, in my hometown for college. And I would sit on the kitchen counter and my dad would basically, while I was doing my homework, come and talk to me about the real business world. So here I am studying theoretical business and then this phenomenal entrepreneur that I'm related to is talking to me about entrepreneurship every day. So for me, seeing the lifestyle of my family, um, not just from a financial aspect, but from the freedom aspect and the passion aspect, I mean, there was no other option. Like it was either entrepreneurship or nothing for me. So you started right off. Did you go to work with your father out of college or did you start your own business? What was your path from the, you know, while you were in college or maybe right after? So right after graduating, literally went to work the next week with my family. So worked at their existing businesses for just a little bit before they opened a new location for me. So they had two schools already. Then 
they opened a school for me or they financed the school that I began, I ran operationally. So at that point, right out of college, I was managing about three schools. I was managing over a hundred employees. And then about a year into that, I decided that what I needed to do for myself was to challenge myself to see what I could do as an entrepreneur independent of my family. And that's when I got into the online space to really just see how far I could go with that. Now I'm still involved day to day with my family businesses as well as my own businesses. But it was just something that I had to do to see that, okay, who is Sonia as an entrepreneur, not just in the context of her family, but independently. So, and you mentioned when we were talking before we started that you work with your husband. Is he also an entrepreneur? Yeah. So actually the subscription box was a venture my husband and I launched together. He was actually working a nine to five as a geophysicist at that time when we launched it. And then I was managing the three schools as we, as we launched this. So our business grew pretty quickly. This was our subscription box business. It grew actually fairly quickly. Um, we did hit like exceed over six figures in our first year. And our, it was so funny because it's just like when you see, um, like all those, like, I guess, Instagram pictures of people who started off in their garage and then suddenly there's boxes all over your house and you can't even like step somewhere without stepping on a box. And it got to the point where um, eventually it got, it got quite large. It got quite a bit of attention and we did get an offer to sell and it was really good for us at that time. So we decided to take it. So was was he surprised coming out of working in geology to to see the growth of the business? Oh yeah. So with with actually a few months ago, actually, so he never left his job as a geophysicist because it was, you know, it was just something he was really good at, comfortable with. But um, when he saw, you know, after the sale of our business, he decided to do two things. One is that he, uh, well, he got laid off from his job, which he was planning on leaving anyway. So it happened at the same exact time. But he decided to do two wait, things. Wait, let me just, jump in. That's usually a bonus because if you get laid off, there's usually a severance, and you're like, ha, I was going to quit it, anyway. Exactly. That's exactly. He called me really excited when he got laid off. <laughs> that happened. Very to, that excited. happened to me one time. I had a resignation letter in my folder, and the company closed the office and gave me a severance. And I was like, "Oh, oh, that's horrible." I'm so heartbroken. Exactly. So he got laid off a few months ago, and me being an um, I've never seen someone get laid off before, like in my family. So I was panicking. I was like, oh my God, like you're laid off. Like, this is crazy. You're, you're not going to, you're going to be at home forever now. And he's like, that's not how it works. A, B, I was going to quit anyway. And C, I'm going to play video games for two months and then start my life again. So I'm just going to enjoy and see where this goes. But yeah, now he's a full-time entrepreneur as well too. So he's working alongside the family businesses within our healthcare space, doing some, uh, some, business development work, as well as pursuing real estate. So what do you love? I mean, maybe you don't know anything else, but what do you love about the life of an entrepreneur? So again, you're right. It's, I don't know anything else. So it's hard to compare, but obviously you hear horror stories all the time from the corporate world. And you're like, Oh gosh, I'm glad I dodged that one. But honestly, more than more than the freedom aspect of it, more than the financial aspect of it, because I don't mind working like a hundred hours a week. I I thrive on that. I when people ask me, oh, what about retirement? I'm like, ugh, I don't want to retire. Like I love working, and the money's fine, but that's not actually what motivates me. What motivates me is to take something that you are passionate about and to see and to plant that seed and to see where that seed follows. And so when you're really building a life off of what excites you every day work no longer seems like work and you're doing your hobby and you're getting paid to do your hobby. And that in itself is very cool to me. Obviously a little cliche, you know, everyone talks about passion, but for me, 
doing what I love and getting excited to wake up in the morning to go to work is, is all that matters to me. Well, so I actually got laid off from a job uh, nine years ago, and that's when I became a full-time professional speaker and master of ceremonies, and I really love what I do. And and last week, uh, well, it was about a month ago now from when it will air, but from the time we uh, recorded this, about a week ago, I had the chance to emcee a very large conference, but it was the second year I was back. And so I got to be sort of part of the community because they already knew who I was. And I walked around the trade show and people were talking to me. And, and I realized that I'm so fortunate that I get to do what I was sort of born to do. You know, I get to go and speak and, and entertain and at the same time provide value that is hard to do. I was talking to uh, someone in the uh, who owns a speakers bureau, which helps speakers connect with clients. And she said, finding a really good MC that the clients book year after year is really hard. And I'm like, why is it hard? It's so much fun. It's so easy for me to get up and just sort of riff with audiences. Yeah. And then I realized... That's because I'm living my purpose or my passion. And so I totally get what you're talking about because every day I get up and it's like, this is a job? In, in fact, at the conference I was at, somebody came up to me in the bar and he said to me, and it was so funny because he didn't mean it as a bad thing. He meant it as a compliment. But he goes, when did you uh, leave corporate America and uh, become a speaker? And he said, well, like, I mean, when did you stop working? <laughs> oh, he didn't mean it like that, but I definitely see. And you're like, it doesn't feel like work anymore, does it? Well, it doesn't feel like work, but the fact is, is what I always have to remind people who think I like my brother thinks I just go to fancy resorts and, you know, sit around in bars talking to, to clients all the time. It is work. It's just work that doesn't feel like work. Absolutely. And you know what? When you know, okay, so here's the thing. I bet you there are times where you have decided, you know what? I'll speak at this event for free. And it's not because you couldn't have gotten paid. It's because you love what you do so much that the money isn't even a factor. And so for me, that 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 thing, that thing that I'm really, really, really passionate about is social media. And I'll be on social media and I'll grow that audience even if I get paid or not because I love it. And at that point, you've transcended. Everyone needs money, right? Let's bottom line is all of us got to pay expenses and you need money to be comfortable. But beyond that, when you're doing something that you could imagine yourself doing, even if you got if you didn't get paid, I think that is just the, you found it. You found your thing. And then when you get paid on top to do it, you've just won life. Like, there you go. You've just won. <laughs> you've won life. I like that. So, yeah, but, but it is true. And, and the fact is, if I hit the hundred million dollar lotto, I would still speak 50 times a year. I would just do it for great causes that didn't have the money to pay me. So you are you are right. I mean, I like I like traveling. I like the speaking. I like the clients. I like being able to provide a value and and an energy to a conference. And I would do it for free if I could. But you know, since I can't, I'll take the I'll take the check. I absolutely, and I'll and I'm right there with you. But I do have to say. You have the best voice, like the best radio voice I've ever heard. That's something you just have to be born with, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. People, somebody in the airplane the other day said, do you have a radio show? And I said, well, I have a podcast. And they said, because you really should. And I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought about that, but okay, we'll, we'll take that. So, Sonia, is there any part of entrepreneurship that you don't love? Is there ever days when you think, wow, my friend from high school who became a lawyer, she's so lucky. <laughs> Anyone who's ever told you they love every part of entrepreneurship is lying to you. I'm I don't know if anyone's ever come on here and be like, "Yes, every inch of it is just joyous." It's not. Um, fact of the matter is entrepreneurship is extremely extremely difficult, and the thing is that 
it can totally kill your insides. There are days that are brutal. And there have been days actually, because this is the year that all of my friends graduated from med school. Okay. Like they finally put in their dues and I've been an entrepreneur, but they finally, and there was a fraction in time where I was like, Oh my God, they're making so much, they're doing well and they don't have any stress. Like they're just chilling now. Like they, they're good. Um, maybe, maybe that could have been a good route, but then I instantly realized, Nope, I hate science and I love business. So I'm in the right place. But yeah, there's a lot of instability as an entrepreneur. There's well, a your, lot your, doc, of your doctor friends have to go deal with sick people too. Well, I do too. We, oh, you've, we got the, urgent care. you've got the urgent care thing. That's right. Well, now you, we have, you can employ all your friends. Yes, that is true. So, um, for me, um, there are definitely, there are times where I'm like, Oh gosh, the, the instability of it, you know, when business is great, it's great. But there are days where you're like, where am I going to find my next client? Where, when business isn't so great, there's a lot of pressure and you know what? The hours can kill you. And there was a time uh, last year, actually, when I sold my subscription box where because of the amount I was working, I got extremely, extremely sick. And that's one of the reasons we took the offer to sell our business. Um, so yeah, there's some, some, some huge challenges when business isn't doing great. And also the hours, the hours that you have to put in, that can be very challenging. But overall, I'm super, super blessed to do what I love every day. And I'm very, and I wouldn't really have it any other way. So what advice do you have for somebody who's listening to this? And of course, the excitement in your voice is totally contagious. I mean, there's no way anybody is tuned into this episode who's like, yeah, we'll stop now. Because every word out of your mouth, it's like, yes, tell me more. Tell me more, Sonia. So, so what advice do you have for somebody who wants to make that leap? Maybe, maybe they have been a lawyer or an accountant or a doctor, and now they want to start their own thing. What advice do you have for them? So I actually gave a little bit more conservative advice um, than a lot of my friends. A lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs I know are like, just jump in and see what happens. And the, the problem is that not, a, not everyone's cut out to be an entrepreneur and not everyone should want to be an entrepreneur. It can absolutely be so difficult that it destroys the quality of your life if you're not meant for it. So first things first, what I like to do is have people test it out before they dive first and full in. And so I generally suggest starting with a side hustle to sharpen some sales, some skills. So you should have a side hustle that you can grow on the side and um, really just start to see if you have what it takes to start to develop some of those entrepreneurial skills. Um, that being said, during that time, you should really sharpen sales skills. Sales Skills are the number one thing that an entrepreneur should have. If you can't sell, doesn't matter what you're trying to sell, doesn't matter what your idea is, doesn't matter who you are, what you've got. If you can't sell, you're not going to go very far. So the side hustle goal is two things. Um, it's to really get you to plant the seeds of being an entrepreneur, but sharpen those sales skills. And once you start to see some traction and get validation for your side hustle or your idea, then you take that validation and you take your sales skills and you run with it. And that's generally what I advise people. And I agree. I mean, my background was in sales and marketing, but working for myself, it's harder to sell. It's harder for me to call up and go, by the way, you should have me speak at your sales meeting for your company or, oh, you're having a whole team meeting for all hundred employees. I'm awesome because you know, that's just weird. And so I have found that selling is the hardest thing I do where it used to be my career. And I used to love it. It's the hardest thing that I do. But if I don't do it, then I don't work. And if I don't work, 
I still have to pay the mortgage, and my daughter's tuition at Carnegie Mellon is still due at the first of the <laughs> month. So it's like, you know, she, you oh. know, she, yeah, she couldn't go to like an inexpensive state school. No, I she know, had to right? Go to she a had to overachieve. Overachiever. Gosh, I hate that. Gosh, why did she have to follow in her father's footsteps? Why? Oh, oh no, I went to the biggest party school in America. I did not go to one of the biggest academic institutions. Like she. Oh, did. but I mean, she's overachieving just like her father. <laughs> but. So, so why do you think some entrepreneurs get farther across the gap that exists between potential and results? So I, I spend a lot of time talking to my clients about potential. And the potential, it sounds great. Oh, my gosh, Becky has so much potential. But at the end of the day, potential is not a solution. And potential certainly doesn't equal results. Now, some people go way far across that gap, and some people fall into the abyss. Why do you think some entrepreneurs are able to navigate uh, the the pitfalls and do better with their potential than others. So that is a phenomenal question. And obviously there's been thousands and thousands of self-development books and articles and talks just about this subject of potential and results. And if you look at the studies of people who are very gifted in college and, um, you know, gifted in their schooling career, it really has no real um, correlation to seeing how successful they're going to be in the real world. That being said, potential and results. Um, I think that there's one main thing that bridges that gap. One hugely thing. There's so many subcategories of what bridges that gap. But the number one thing is how many times can you get punched in the face, get back up and keep going? Because the thing is not everyone has the stomach to be, again, punched in the face a thousand times and keep going. And that's entrepreneurship. You're going to fail. You're going to bleed. You're going to hurt. It's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. You're going to have some businesses and companies fail. And some people can stomach that longer than others. And then when you go and when you get back up and you keep going, um, eventually you find that you get just a little bit stronger each and each and every time. And there's some people along that journey that just quit and fail and say, you know what? I I'm done. I tap out. I got hit too many times, but the more you keep going, the longer you keep going, eventually you get to the point where you turn back a little bit and you say, okay, I'm a lot stronger than I was. And those are the people that get successful. And that is such great advice. And I'm going to mess it up, but there is some old proverb, maybe Chinese proverb that says, knock down nine times, get up 10 or whatever. I mean, it's just, that's the, that's the proverb. That's the trick is you just have to get up again. And I know in my own career, you know, I've been kicked in the teeth a few times and somebody asked me early on when I started as a speaker, I wasn't making enough money yet to support my family. And somebody close to me said, so when do you quit? When do you decide I'm not going to make it as a speaker? And I said, well, even if I go get a job, I'm not going to quit. I, what's great about what I do for a living is I can always do it as a side hustle. And I loved it. And I said, I'm not going to quit. And, you know, it was just about maybe four or five months later that I started making the money that I needed to make. But what if I, I always thought, what if I had quit that day? What if I had listened to him and Absolutely. thought, yeah, he's right. I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have done, I would have never started this podcast. We're now almost 400 episodes in at four years. And, you know, when I started this, I was a little late to the podcasting game, but now everybody has a podcast. And I talked to somebody today and said, he said, yeah, he goes, I started a podcast the same time you did, but I quit after 10 episodes. And wow. he said, he goes, I know we started at the same time. And he goes, now you're almost at 400. And he was kind of feeling bad because he just let it fade away. And I said, that's the one thing I'm most proud of about the show 
is that it keeps going. I keep getting up even when, you know, for a long time it didn't produce any spinoff business. Now people who listen to the show refer me to their companies for their meetings. They're like, oh, I've been listening to this guy for years. You know, they tell their boss, oh, he should be, you know, the speaker at our next sales meeting. But that didn't happen the first six months or the first year, really even the first three years. That only has started this year. And so that's part of it. You just got to keep keep going. So I think that's great advice. But tell us about a time when you got kicked in the teeth. When was the time you didn't want to get up? Obviously you did, but what was the hardest setback you've had? Sure. Um, I think that our conversation is so, it's getting to such a deeper level because there are times where you shouldn't quit and there are times that you should quit. Well, that's true. Yeah. And so, um, I'm sorry, I think I might have some allergies in case I sound like a little stuffy, but, um, there's the hardest thing that I've ever, ever gone through, um, was, and I referenced it a little bit, but I had a subscription box business that grew a little too quickly for me, actually. And what ended up happening is I was running three businesses full time, working with my family on a fourth massive startup. And then on top of that was running my subscription box, um, on the side, my weekends and evenings, and I was a newlywed on top of that. So I was just working all day, every day, and I got, I developed some spinal issues. And as you can imagine, being bent over a computer or packing boxes or anything, when you have severe spinal issues can be really hard. Well, the spinal issues also worsen some psychological issues and also really just some health issues. And I was just working and my body and my mind were really um, hitting that physical burnout stage. Basically, I was hitting burnout as hard as someone could possibly hit burnout. However, my business was too young, just like you talked about in the beginning before we recorded. It was too young to outsource. Yet it was too, and I just had to keep going and I had to make a, dip, a dip, difficult decision at that time. Do I, do I go with my family business or do I quit that and go into my full business full time? And actually, that's when I got the offer to sell. And it was clarity for me that I needed to be with my family to grow exponentially what we had built versus trying to spin off and prove something. Um, I had proven what I needed to prove. I went out trying to say, I can do this business. I can do entrepreneurship. But then I got to the crossroads where my health was so deeply impacted that I had to make a decision um, to sell. And for a long time, it, it felt like failure to me because I was like, well, what if I had done X, Y, Z and I could keep it going? And then I realized, it A, it wasn't a failure because it was a successful sale. But B, sometimes you have to quit certain things or let go of certain projects in the short term for the long-term success. And actually, right after that, Right after that incident happened, um, my long-term vision for myself had not just been being an entrepreneur, but being a thought leader. I wanted to be a speaker, an author, um, and a social media influencer. Right after that, my social media blew up to over 1 million followers and um, got me opportunities I would have never, ever, ever dreamed of. And I had to quit or fail at something in the short term when, again, it's it's difficult to call that a failure, but um, I, sh I had to quit something in the short term to succeed at something else in the long term. That decision was one of the hardest things I have ever done in business, but that lesson taught me more than anything I've ever experienced in my life. Well, and like you said, you know, we can label something a failure or even if it hadn't been a successful sale, even if you had to shut it down, we could also label it a learning experience. And even so, it could be a success. So I've got more questions for you, but first I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. But when we come back, I want to talk to you about social media before I get to my regular questions. So first, this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. 
Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Sonia, Sonia Kilji. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So before I get into my final couple of questions that I ask everybody, you light up like a Christmas tree when you talk about your love of social media and growing your following to over a million people. Tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Um, for me, I've always had, like, ever since I was like a young, young kid, I've just had this desire to be great. And I didn't know what that meant to me until I discovered social media. First, I thought it meant, I thought it meant I, I want to be an author and have everyone know my name, blah, blah, blah. But then as I got deeper and deeper into social media, I realized the instant gratification of being able to meet and connect with people and inspire people and just explode your social media presence. It was just a game to me. It was a game and it was so fun to grow these numbers every day, to grow these relationships and to see what opportunities or what collaborations or what deals came about from, from just putting myself, my thoughts and my passion out there. So I run um, two different uh, two different accounts. One is my personal brand, Sonia Kilji. And on that account, I really talk about entrepreneurship and social media, a lot of what I'm talking about here. Then I run Losers to Legends, which is very motivational. Um, so the motivational quotes, videos, and interviews of really cool legends. So that's what I do on that platform. And all together, it's just good vibes, good energy, meeting good people, and, and spreading a little bit of love in this world. So that's awesome. And I, I you know, it kind of resonated with me with you talked about when I was a kid, I, I wanted to be something. I wanted to be great, but I didn't know what that meant. So when I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor. And I never did anything with it. And shame on me. Sonia, I grew up in Los Angeles. Oh, never, you had a great uh, voice actor. And I know I never potential. even tried, but I was involved with high school plays and some community theater, but I never really went for it. My parents didn't like the idea. And so I went to college. And I kind of went down the path. And there are people who, when you know, you say, oh, I want to do something like this. They think, oh, ego and oh, you know, you just want to be famous and that somehow that's bad. What I've come to realize over the last, you know, 30 or 40 years as I get older is one of the things I've come to realize is that. If you're drawn to do something and you could call it fame or you could call it greatness or achievement, there's nothing wrong with that. Some people don't have it. Some people don't need to be in the spotlight. But I, I mentor a, a person who admitted to me that that's what he wants. And I said, don't let anybody tell you it's a bad thing. Most of my life, people were like, oh, well, you just want you just want attention. You know, it's it's narcissistic to want attention. Not necessarily. I mean, it can be. There are people who take everything to, too far. But I like the fact that you said there was something you wanted to do. You wanted to put yourself out there and you found you found the path for you with social media. And that's really what happened for me when I became a speaker is I get to be on stage and I get to talk to audiences and I get to influence people. And it's not the same thing as, as acting in a movie or a TV show, but in a way it fills that gap for what I always wanted to do as a kid. So when you were telling that story, I was like, we're kindred spirits, Sonia. I get it. Absolutely. And you know what's funny is I did a... My first two speaking gigs last week, actually. And there's something, well, I've always wanted to be a speaker and an author and uh, an influencer. So just a thought leader in general. But there's something about people 
reciprocating your message, hearing you say the, the sound of an applause, the, the sound of just people coming after you afterwards and say, hey, you inspired me or that DM in your social media that, hey, you know, this thing that you posted, it really changed my life or, hey, my business is doing better because of this tip that you gave. There's something about that impact that is so that's so beautiful. And of course, it can be narcissistic in some degrees, in some ways. However, when you're using that desire, and, and if, when you're using it for good, and you're making good impact, then receiving that energy of admiration and love in return for putting out love and energy, I think it's just energy. It's good vibes all around. It's love, it's energy. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. And I think there's a lot of people who grew up feeling that, who wanted that, who society or their parents or their spouse or whoever has kind of rolled their eyes at that and tried to beat it out of them in some way. And so I love the fact the way you said that, that it's, you know, if you're doing it for the right reasons and and you're giving, it's okay that you're receiving. It's not about being a taker. It's about, you know, sharing that energy back and forth. So I, I, I love the fact that you brought that up because I know from the person I mentor and, and from myself and from others that so many times it's hard to admit that. And, and I think it's important for people listening to that, if they're drawn to wanting to achieve in that way, that, that they do it. And I'll tell you, you said you just started doing some speeches. Uh, people always ask me how I built a career speaking. And I, my advice is uh, check out the National Speakers Association. It's the, it's the trade association for people who make part or all of their living with the spoken word. And, and that doesn't just mean keynoting. It can be training. It can be podcasting. It can be lots of things. Uh, I never would have been able to build my business without it. And it's not that the association did anything. It's not a it's not an agency or a bureau, but it's a it's a trade association. But I, and I and I'm a joiner. So if I was a plumber, I would be a member of the National Plumbers Association. So uh, but what it is is I got around people who were earning their living making speeches and therefore success leaves clues. So I always tell people if you if you want to be a speaker or you want to be anything, Get around people who are actually doing it and don't stalk the celebrities. Look for the people who are, you know, one or two levels above you and make friends with them. And they're going to leave little nuggets of clues along the way. Absolutely. And you know what happens is when you start to put out that desire, okay, I want to be a speaker. I want to be a writer. I want to be an influencer. And when you start expressing that, even in small conversations, well, what happens is people connect you with other people who can help you, who connect you with other people. And you give along the way and you receive along the way. And it's absolutely astonishing what can happen. So for me, I've begun planting the seeds of all these different pathways while running several businesses. And um, just honestly, at this point, just seeing where life takes me. But, you know, on the topic of, um, you know, fame and fortune, right, and wanting these things, and it's not bad to want these things. But what I can say, and this is something I've really just begun to embody, you can want those things and that's great, but don't expect that those things will make you happy. And that's cliche, of course, also. People say, they're like, well, yeah, right. No, honestly, you can be the most successful speaker out there and a million people can stand up and give applause. But if you go home to a broken and empty home, you're not going to feel that fulfillment. And so I really think abundance starts from within. Happiness starts from within and then the home. And then it permeates into your external life. So fame and fortune is great, but it's not, uh, it's the cherry on top, I always like to say. <laughs> That's great advice. So Sonia, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing with one of your businesses right now? <sighs> Honestly, I think my social media is just the coolest thing. Um, running day-to-day -day businesses and, and franchises and stuff, that's cool. That that really interesting things result from that. But just 
just jumping on live videos and training other people how to use social media, collaborating and seeing what deals and what things pop up. Like, for example, um, you know, just completely out of nowhere, a celebrity chef messaged me and he's like, hey, will you be the face of my app? And will you um, really just uh, kind of be the person that everyone gets to see when they get into my app? Of course I'll do that. That sounds super cool. Or, you know, an opportunity to get published in a book with a bunch of other millennial entrepreneurs that popped up. Yes, I'll do that. Speaking gigs pop up. So for me, just again, the social media and seeing what kind of opportunities pop up, that keeps my life interesting. So I, I like to think of it as like my wild card, right? Like I know what I'm going to do pretty much when I go to my businesses brick and mortar, but my online world is my wild card. It keeps things interesting. It keeps things exciting. And even so much as when I travel now, I, I meet up with my followers or friends on social media and it's just it's crazy. It, it adds so much variety even to my travels now. Yeah, I like to do that when I travel is, is I try to let people know I'm in town and we'll, we'll meet for coffee or whatever. And that's kind of fun when I do that. Hey, I always like to ask people, not, not just to talk about you, but let's talk about who in the world of entrepreneurship you admire. Because I think great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So who do you look at and say, wow, they're cool? There's so many, right? There's 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 a lot of really really big time entrepreneurs that are really basically becoming celebrities now. And there is this culture of celebrity entrepreneurs that I don't really think was there like 10 years ago. And so it's become it's become sexy and of course you want to be like the the sharks on shark tank and you want to do something really tangible and amazing. And I guess the person that I admire most would be uh, Gary Vaynerchuk in the world of digital marketing. He is my favorite entrepreneur along with Tony Robbins. Both of them are just, God, I can't even explain it. First can, off, Gary V is can, just can so I make cool. You, can I make you jealous? Ten, is he like your friend or no, something? No, we're not, we're not friends. But about <laughs> 15 years ago, is that about right? No, less than that. About 12 years ago, when he was really breaking onto the scene, he wasn't unknown, but he wasn't Gary V either, right? He wasn't, a, he wasn't a brand. He spoke for an organization in Austin, Texas, where I live, and uh, he was staying at a hotel that wasn't near where the speech was. And so I volunteered to drive him to and from the speech. So I had him in my car for 20 minutes each way. And got to talk business with him and got to find out a little bit about sort of his mind and what he thought. And he really was an open book, nice guy. And on the drive back, I said, okay. And I think uh, uh, his his first book had just come out. And so I said to him, I wow. said, I said, if you had Gary V in your car, what would you ask him? And he loved that question. And he talked for 20 minutes. Oh my God. I wish you had something to record that moment with. I wish you had D-Rock in the backseat filming that. So, but, so um, I, did, I did meet him uh, maybe about three years ago. And of course, he didn't remember me on site. But when I told him that, he actually remembered He remembered that exchange. Once, once he thought about it, he remembered it. I gave him a hug once. Oh, well, there you go. I didn't, hu <laughs> I didn't hug him. I just drove him. So. I got the physical contact. No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, yeah, no, that was great um he he's just everything that he's done and has achieved i mean coming from the family business and branching off on his own mirrors kind of my journey and what i would like to do and what i hope to do but then you also on the flip side have tony robbins who that man has created massive massive impact for almost every person he's ever come across and yet on the side He's made over $5 billion. Like just a side thing, you just know, a not little, a big thing. Right. That's my, my side business is probably getting close. 
Yeah, not, you know. but you know, uh, he actually, one of my first jobs, I was miserable and the boss brought us all to a Tony Robbins uh, performance or whatever you want to call it. And in the middle of that performance, I wrote down, quit this job by two months from now and turned the corner and, and actually started my real career path after that. And so I always, I give Tony Robbins a little bit of credit. I didn't meet him. I was in a room with 4,000 people. But uh, but but he put me on the path to quit feeling sorry for myself and to start taking action. So both of your choices, who you admire, uh, are people uh, that I would agree with, even though I'm you know quite a bit older than you are. I, I agree that they've had impact on me as well. Uh, oh my God, they do! I got to see Tony Robbins speak for the first time um, this year, and seeing what he did to an audience, I always knew I wanted to be a speaker, but seeing what he did to that room with his energy. And with what he cultivated, I knew I was hooked. I knew that I had to do it. I knew that I was bent for it. So couple, you know, both of them are phenomenal individuals. But at the same time, you have to realize Sonia Kilji is not Gary Vaynerchuk. And Sonia Kilji is not Tony Robbins. Who am I? And well, what's my path? And you embracing are, that. You're Sonia Kilji. And I'm going to tell you, I've only spent a half hour with you. But you're, you're a force to be reckoned with. And I think someday people are going to come to me and they're going to be like, how in the world did you ever get her on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do? She's so famous. And I'll oh, say, well, you oh, know I, I knew her when. I'm actually a Texan, too. I just found out you're in Austin. I'm in Austin all the time. Like basically my second home. So, well, so I'm, we're going to go have coffee then. Absolutely. Or barbecue. Cause that's the thing to do. And or taco. <laughs> we're in Austin. Or the, the taco, or the barbecue taco thing. That's, you know, where do you go? So absolutely. I love it. And, and when you can have barbecue tacos, that's the best. So uh, that's brisket, basically little brisket what I eat. tacos. That's basically all I eat. Hey, the last question I ask everybody who comes on the show is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think our responsibility as entrepreneurs is to do more than make money. We, we have to leave an impact. So when we started this conversation, we talked about this a little bit. And I definitely take ownership in the fact that there's a lot more I could be doing. But one way that I give back, I feel, and it ties back to social media, is I spread a lot of positivity. And as a result, people open up to me a lot in messages about mental health and issues they're going through. And I try as much as I possibly can to mentor people who are suicidal for free. I don't I don't charge them. Um, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy at times to try to uh, help people work through whatever issues that they're going through. And I just, I try to be people's friends when they need it most. And I think there, sometimes it's not about the money you donate or the, the food that you give away or whatever. Sometimes just people need someone to hear them out at that specific moment in life so that they don't feel alone. Um, I can't say that I've saved anyone's life per se, but I knew I was there for certain people when they didn't have anyone else to talk to. And I, and, and that meant a lot. Sonia, you know, we live in a world where everybody brags about how connected we are, but there's an epidemic of loneliness going out there. The, uh, there was an article a year ago in Harvard Business Review that was written by the former Surgeon General under President Obama. Uh, uh, Murte is his last name. I uh, forget his first name, but he, um, he wrote an article about the epidemic of loneliness. And when I read that article, tears came to my eyes because I see it all the time. I see people, even extroverts, who people think, oh, they're the life of the party, and they feel very alone. And so I often will use the hashtag see people, hashtag S-E-E people. And then in my one of my speeches, I have a module where I talk about this fact that you know we get so caught up in what we're doing that the person next to us could feel invisible. And I people come up to me all the time and say, that's me. And so just being there for people and, and noticing 
you have no idea probably how much you do for people because there are so many people in this hyper-connected world who feel more alone than ever. Absolutely. So I try, I watched, you know, the Netflix show 13 Reasons Why, and there's all this controversy around it and all that. But I guess I just realized that sometimes there's people who are going to be there. They're going to be a little weird. They're going to be a little off. And you may not be friends with them in, in, in real life, but you notice that there's something that there's a deep desire that they have to feel connected and you just be their friend and you accept the quirks, you accept the weirdness, you accept, you allow them to say whatever they need to say and you just listen and you're there for them. And I think more humans need to do that for other humans. And so I try to do that where I can. It's very difficult to do a lot of, but I think each and every one of us can commit to doing that for at least one or two people. And, and that goes a long way. Well, and I used to not give money to people on the side of the road. I thought, you know what? We have services. We have social service organizations and charities and churches who will take care of that. So I used to keep my window up and not look. And my wife actually broke me of that. And I can't say I do it every time. And sometimes, you know, I'm on a phone call, so I can't do it. But uh, or that my car's not in the right position. You know, you're too far back or you're too far forward. But my wife started carrying. Uh, fruit cups and applesauce cups with her in the car. And when somebody would have a sign asking for money, she would do that. Now she started off having like nuts and things because she thought, oh, that's nutrition. But somebody said, oh, I can't take those because of my teeth because they didn't have dental care. So they didn't have teeth that they could chew nuts with. So she went and started getting fruit cups and applesauce and they always accept that because it's stuff they can eat. And so I actually keep a couple of singles, a couple dollar bills in the well of my car and I don't, I don't carry fruit cups because I'm not as well organized as my wife. I would forget them. Plus, I don't park in the garage, which means my car would get up to about 140 in Texas. And so yeah. it would be boiled fruit cups. But uh, I, I will always give a dollar or two now to the people on the side of the road, and I'll start a conversation with them. And they're blown away. I mean, it, it amazes me when you stop and see people, how many people need to be seen. And so I think you're onto something. I've always wanted to just do that where I just like, uh, one time I picked up a hitchhiker, but I wanted to just invite people to go to lunch with me. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm I shaking my head. You're you're a young, pretty girl. Do not be picking up hitchhikers. That's just a I bad know, idea. I know. My husband was in the car with me at that time, but um, <laughs> I wanted to just take the people on the side of the road and just walk across and go to lunch with them and just sit them down and see them. I want to do that a lot. Sometimes I feel like I'm almost restricted because I'm a girl um, to doing as much as I want to do, but. Um, I think your wife sounds like an absolutely beautiful human being, and I'm so grateful that she has inspired that for you. So, Sonia, how do people find you if they want to know more about you? Well, that's super easy. Um, again, being being a fanatic about social media, um, people can find me at S-A-N-I-A-K-H-I-L-J-E-E, Sonia Kilji, um, or at Losers to Legends. So there's a lot of knockoff accounts, but... L-O-S-E-R-S-T-O-L-E-G-E-N-E-N-D-S. Um, if you message me through Instagram or email me, I usually will always try and respond. Um, and just here for here with, to answer any questions, just be a friend to anyone who needs one. That's awesome. Well, I, I'm, I'm pretty visionary when I can tell who's going to have huge success. And every now and then I have someone on the show where I have to make them promise when you're famous, you'll come back on the show. Absolutely. I, I don't know if fame is in my future or not, but I do know that there's a lot of passion and opportunity ahead. And so I will always be there to share a barbecue taco with you in Austin, Texas. <laughs> that is fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your story here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Any last words for the audience? Just 
just be happy, follow your passion, even if it starts as a side hustle. Um, and just, just be optimistic. Get you know, Just like that proverb, get hit nine times, stand up 10. Make sure you always get back up because there's great things ahead. Thank you so much, so much, so much for having me on this show. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. This was a delightful interview. And thank you to everybody who listened. I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. We're closing in on 400 episodes, and I, I, I'm just thrilled about it. I can't believe I've been doing this for four years. The original plan was just 50 episodes, uh, and now we're not stopped. The plan is to keep going. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you want to find out more information about me, you can find me at TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. Of course, I'm on all the social medias under Tom Singer. We also have a Twitter handle for the podcast, which is at Cool Podcast. Uh, if you're a fan of the show, jump over to iTunes or wherever you listen and leave a positive review. It's one of the ways the show gets found. But even better, tell all your friends. I talked to somebody the other day, and I said, how did you find my show? And they said that one of their friends listened to the show and always talked about it. So they had to start listening. So go tell a friend. Uh, and if you work for a company or you belong to an association who's going to have a meeting, you know what? Tell them I exist as a possible speaker or master of ceremonies. I might not be the right fit, but I might be. And if they don't know about me, we'll never know. So uh, go tell someone I exist in that world as well. We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Sonia. I know you're thinking, what? How are you going to find somebody that cool? But I will. <laughs> we'll see you then. In the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>